The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 169 for September 22nd, 2008. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. That's John Braun. This is Pilot Pete, and you are our listeners. And we're happy that all of us are here. Hi, John. Hi, Dave. Hi, Pete. Hi, Dave. Hi, John. <laughs> Good night, John. Hi, boy. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, guys. We, we have a ton of stuff to go through. Whoever put this agenda together uh, really made a mockery of things here. But uh, you. that's right. So let's get right into it. Or uh, yeah, go, go. You you did something fun this week, John. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I did something fun. Um, Before that, though, I'm gonna. uh, This is unscripted, but I'm gonna mention this just because it made made me weep for screwing me up now. No, no, no. It's it's very quick. So um, I did some shopping at one of our uh, uh, stores uh, around here, BJ's. Um, And you know, I had a refund check. So you know, I'm going. uh, You know, you get money back on your membership. So, anyways, I. um, What are you saying to me here? Okay. (laughs) Anyways. so I have the check. It was for a small amount of money, and it, and it was dated May 1st, and it said good for 180 days. Okay, Dave, quick. Uh, May 1st, so that's six months, so that's six plus five is 11. You're good till November 1st-ish. Okay. She right. was looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and calling over a coworker asking, is this good? And I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I'm weeping for some school system or something. And, and I went, I'm like, okay. And again, I'm, I'm not a, a super genius like Wiley Coyote, but D- Dave, you basically did the mental arithmetic like I did. Okay. 180 divided by, okay. It's six months. It should have said six months on there. Okay. I don't know why they said 180 days. Because oh, it's the banking system. You've got to be very particular about yeah, this. Stuff. Okay. You can't okay. say six okay. months because your six months might be different from my six months because right. I did it starting in March and you did it starting in February. And so you get screwed out of a couple of days and you're going to, you know, raise but holy It just heck. made me weep that what appeared to be a high school student was not able to. Yeah. Hey, okay, did you go it. anywhere that might have related to like the Mac Absolutely, or computers or anything? That <laughs> well, maybe not the you Mac. Tell okay. So now we're going to touch on that. But anyways, I, I just want to mention that because it really concerned me. So kids, you know, learn how to do some stuff in your head. Don't count on the computer or the machine. Anyways, you know, that's actually go. really good advice. So thank you for the anecdote, John. <laughs> Yeah. So here we go. So I went to an event. Um, Pepcom has an event called Holiday Spectacular, which they hold um, in New York City. So I had a chance to go to that. It's an evening event for a few hours, and they basically give you nice food and, and drink, and you get to interact with a whole bunch of vendors. I think there must have been 60, 70 off the top of my head. Um, but I just want to mention some of the products I saw. Some are Mac, some are not. Um, but I think there's just interesting things you may want to look at, because actually, we may want to think of a holiday podcast. I don't know what the heck that would be like, but... Um, so one thing I saw here, uh, first thing, which is a pretty cool device, um, LiveScribe and Pulse, uh, or LiveScribe is the company, and I guess the, the Pulse Pen is the uh, the device here. It's a smart pen, but uh, in a nutshell, what it does, you get special paper with special things on it. The pen uses infrared and a camera so that when you write on the paper, you also record what you're writing and you can beam it or you know suck it out with a USB cable to a computer. Pretty cool. So you have a digital version of everything that you've written, assuming the battery and all the other stuff works. Um, but the pen does some other things 
has a microphone so you can record and then play back to associate with the writing. Um, it has little templates that you can do like calculations and stuff. It also does uh, language translation. So very nice pen. The only bad news that made me sad is that if you, if you go to their website, basically it says to Mac users, we're actively developing a native Mac solution. Um, but you think, oh, well, I'll, you know, run it because there is software you must run on a computer. Uh, right. The pen really doesn't stand on its own, I, I don't think, or at least not too well. Um, but they say uh, it doesn't work with Parallels or VMware, which are both, in, and you and I tossed around this term. I said, well, well, it doesn't work on emulators then. And, and yeah. I guess then, then we sparred over technologies. Well, in my mind, well, you are more specific. I, I consider running one OS under another emulation in a sense. And maybe people will shake their fists and write to me. Uh, more properly, I think you want to call it a virtual machine. Right. Well, remember, Parallels also runs uh, on hardware other than Macs. And in fact, in the old days, their virtual PC, which was an emulator on the Mac, but on Windows machines was not an emulator. It was just a virtual PC. Okay. Right? So what you're saying is, is uh, processor instruction translation is what you consider part of an emulator. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's cool. All right, so we'll move on. Um, you know, they're actively working on the Mac software. I'm, I'm sure at some point we'll see it. It'd be great because it's a really neat device, and I, and I guess it's really been a hit with, like, especially the college crowd because it, it does some pretty advanced things. And the audio quality. Oh, it also does language translation. I mentioned that. So if you write a word in one language, um, and, and they showed me, it, it would translate it. I don't think it speaks at all. Some some it does. But they wrote something, and it translated it. I guess it can do either um, Spanish, uh, uh, Mandarin Chinese, or Arabic. So that's pretty cool. It has a nice little display in it. Um, another thing, if, if you need to see in the dark, uh, FLIR is the name. F-L-I-R is the company. And they have a, uh, I guess, a, a relatively inexpensive infrared camera. And it was cool because you walk by and you see yourself in infrared. Uh, obviously, you can see people and other things uh, with infrared that you normally could not see at night. And they had something... Uh, for $34, not $34.95, but $34.95, a VSR6 thermal imaging camera, which I guess in that market is is probably reasonable. So <laughs> if you got a few thousand lying around and you're worried about somebody stealing it, spend it on this and then you won't have to worry about it. Okay. Um, what else we got here? Cat, G uh, Cat Genie. Okay. this <laughs> I'm like, why are you guys here? Because it was pretty much a technology event. Um. Though it didn't say technology, but it was all you know tech vendors. Cat Genie, here it is. It's basically a a cat waste system. It takes your cat does its thing in there with special pellets. It it scoops the poop. We could say poop, right? Um, into another you chamber just did, and then so oh, it's okay. sorry, it's fine. Um, and they use some sort of detergent or something that breaks it down, and then you tie it into your normal wastewater system. So it, it's kind of like a cat toilet. If you don't want to teach your cat to use your toilet, which I've, I know people that have done that, absolutely, yeah. And look on, you know, you'll see the videos. Of oh, no, just with, the, with the right cat, it's actually very, very easy to do. It just, okay. the cat needs to get it. But anyway, again, that's a tangent. We don't need to go down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, one group that caught my attention, Scan Cafe, I think is the name. Uh, they restore physical pictures um, using a combination of technology, but also just, just good old people. Uh, fixing problems that a computer can't possibly fix. Computers are pretty good at certain things. When you get all scratched and abrasions and stuff, and and they're they've done 14 million images uh, since 2006, and and from what I see, it's like on, it can be on the tens of cents per image. So not a lot of money. And uh, as as and you may have seen articles about this, Dave, but film and and all this, uh, well, well, any media degrades, negatives, 
uh, prints especially, um, unless you store them in special conditions. But even you know, optical media, CDs, DVDs, they'll they'll waste away. So you know that. that let's talk about that for a second. It was my understanding that CDs that we burn, right, that that we make mm-hmm. on our on our home PCs, they they're only good for like five to ten years, isn't that right? Yes, I believe it's the dyes or the inks that eventually break down. Um, okay, I, I think rewritable media tends to be uh, more fragile than write once media. Okay, but from what I understand, yeah, as you noted, yeah, I think five is is on the 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 pessimistic end, but um. It could happen. I personally don't recall any of my media. Um, most of the stuff that, that I have is is not written by myself. It's written by others. So so I think that's why I, why I may not have seen it. But um, yeah. All right. Any uh, the way. So the, oh, go, go uh, a few uh, a couple more uh, uh, very quickly, and then uh, you got some good stuff to talk about. Kensington had two things. So one thing they had, which I think we saw in MacWorld, but uh, but I saw this here, and I think they may have upgraded the product. It's a it's called Share Center. It's a USB peripheral sharing device which lets two computers share um one two or five um peripherals so you can imagine if you have a couple of printers usb printers um i would imagine other devices i think printers are the most obvious but you know microphone perhaps um other things and it lets two users share it um it's a usb so but the cool thing about the five uh the five button one is it has a little magnetic key so you can put the type of device um, whether it be one, two, three, four, five, or, or you know, a, a printer or whatever, whatever you have, they have a few templates. And then something they had, which we're going to get more detail on, it's a media sharing cable. Both sides are USB. On one side has a big chunk, which I can only imagine is the circuitry or the smarts. But they claim that you plug it into two machines, uh, Mac and PC, and you can, they say, seamlessly share files between any computers. So I imagine it's some sort of virtual drive that it mounts and uh, kind of bops the data between the two machines. Cool. Um, we'll, think, we'll get more more data on. That. I think we talked about the Kensington Media Sharing Cable when it came out around MacWorld. I know I talked about it with someone because that as soon as mm-hmm. you mentioned that box okay. in the middle, we I remember a conversation about, uh, and it may very well have been right here about you know how FireWire you can just connect directly and USB you need something to be the smarts in the middle and and you know yep, essentially yep. all that good stuff. But yeah, either way, very, very cool. Yeah, yeah, because normally you can't just plug two machines in with USB. They're just gonna be like, huh. Right. Um, and then lastly, in this group uh, is a pretty cool group. Um, you know, how you may have batteries kicking around and you don't want to throw them in the trash because that's just bad. Yeah. Um, especially if you're in an area that has well water or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, call to digit to recycle dot org. Um, what they do is basically they will uh, and it's an industry funded group because I'm like, well, what's your you know, what's the deal? How do you make money? And they're like, right. well, we, you know, we're, we're kind of doing this, uh, but there is a, a rationale. And I'm like, well, you know, somebody has to be doing this for some reason. And the reason is recycling the material inside rechargeable batteries is um, more efficient than making new ones. So the industry uh, funds this group. They, you know, have places you can go like stores. And I guess uh, we'll list the site, of course, but you can go to a lot of places, get a postage paid bag where you just dump in, Whatever it is you want to recycle, I think they take cell phones and they also take rechargeable batteries and and it's free for you. And then the industry, you know, saves money because they don't have to make new stuff. And it's, you know, I guess relatively good for the environment. So that was kind of neat to see. That's awesome. And a great show. And uh, actually, I'm going to another show um, Wednesday night. Um, uh, and another group does this sort of thing. So I may have, it's not as big. So I may have a few more things to report next week. But uh, 
Great show. So I, um, now, I, always, Dave, I always like uh, when you come back from uh, from those shows and tell us about all this stuff. You you're on fire here, dude. I think I think we all just need to take a. Uh, it, it's like role reversal, right? We all just need to take a minute and go. Yeah. Well, these events excite me, and uh, See, we can. And you know, of course, uh, when they're like, "Oh, Mac Observer, hello." That's great. <laughs> I actually, what it was, kind of, it was kind of funny. Um, she has a set of iPod speakers, which uh, I'll pass the data on to our iPod division. But she's like, "Oh, yeah, you, you, you're, you're, you're from Connecticut." Right? It was like someone who had remembered me from like two lifetimes ago, representing another company. So that was really neat. So yeah, I mean, you know, we've all gotten used to that, Dave. I guess that, uh, you know, you see the same people time and time again. So yeah. it's, it's really a lot of fun to. Uh, or, or see the new jobs they have. <laughs> okay, but moving on. So you, you had a tale of woe, and I, I guess... Uh, I, I do. I have more uh, information to share about my, my lightning thing, and I'm not going to go too deep into it. But first, actually, I want to talk about our first sponsor for the show. And that is uh, Smile on My Mac, who's been a sponsor of the show for a long time, just released uh, a couple of days ago, PDF Pen 4. Now, this is a whole new version of PDF pen. It's actually really cool. The biggest thing that it's got uh, to me anyway, is it now has built in OCR. I often use PDF pen to pull uh, faxes in and then sign them. I pulled a fax in after I installed PDF pen four, and the first thing it asked me, it saw that it was a TIFF file, multi-page TIFF. And uh, it asked me, it said, Oh, do you want me to OCR this? Like, Oh, really? So cool. And if I said yes, obviously it would do it. And the OCR is pretty good. It's like any OCR. It's not going to be perfect. But the better your source, the better the, the end result. Uh, but even if I was working with a, a TIFF file in there, if I clicked on it, uh, it would ask me, oh, do you want to OCR this? And it's very cool. And now uh, you can also import Microsoft Word documents. So they're really kind of pulling all this stuff together. Uh, very, very cool thing to check out. Uh, you can print notes and comments now. There's some new markup options, underline strike through, custom highlight colors. You can save it as a TIFF now, which is pretty cool. And uh, and it, like I said, the whole UI, it, it's, it's really very, very nice. And uh, of course, we're happy to have them sponsor the show here. $49.95 for PDF pen, or if you're a previous uh, owner of PDF pen, it's $25 for the upgrade. PDF pen pro allows you to create uh, forms, table of contents. You can create them and edit them. Uh, that's in PDF Pen Pro. That's $99.95. Or if you're a former PDF Pen Pro customer, existing PDF Pen Pro customer, it's $25. Bucks. So this is all available at smileonmymac.com. And uh, if you have any interest in this sort of thing, I encourage you to check it out. And like I said, we're happy to have them sponsor the show. Moving on to my lightning issues. I actually did take some time this morning during my, my quality time and, and wrote an article about uh, everything I've learned. I had a long conversation with some of the folks at APC last week, learning some things. And the short answer is I've been very well protected from an AC standpoint for, mm. for forever. You know, I've always AC being wall current or alternating current correct right the pl plugs on the wall geek 101 no that's right that's right and and frankly this was the first lightning strike i've had uh that was close enough or strong enough or both to impact any ac devices uh previously the lightning strikes i've had have only impacted dc devices and really just those that were uh, connected to the wires that I have buried in the ground between the home and the office. And, and that's, it makes good sense. Uh, this time it actually, the AC protection kicked in 
Um, and there were some devices that, uh, you know, if they weren't protected by AC power, got got fried. But always the DC power stuff uh, has been the issue. DC power being. Direct current, uh, direct current. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, Ethernet cables, telephones, coaxial cables. And what happens with that stuff is it it gets charged and it needs to be grounded. And so it finds the shortest path to ground. So the first thing is it first thing it does is it goes to the switch. Now, the switch is not most of my Ethernet switches. None of them, in fact, have grounded plugs. So it traverses through the switch to some device that does have a grounded plug, goes back across that and fries everything in the chain. So the idea is to find a way to ground, to allow that circuit to get to ground before it gets to any of your equipment. Enter the APC protect net series. Now, some of the APC UPSs and in fact, from other manufacturers too, have, uh, you know, ethernet bypasses or coax bypasses where you plug, you know, the, the coax from the outside in and then, and then it has another jack that you go to your. Now, uh, your now, are you saying though? Yeah. Are, are you saying that? So uh, there are devices you plug in the wall that have two prongs, and some have three. Correct. If I recall, the things that have three prongs, that indicates to me that there there should be. That, well, there's a ground somewhere, there's at a, least in the plug. But even if the switch had uh, a, a grounded plug. You'd still blow up part of the switch as the current came in over the Ethernet cable and went oh. through the switch to ground. Because the device itself. Right. So the, the ground of the device versus what's. Pe- oh, OK. 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 So you want to essentially you want to have something b- between the cable that comes from the outside and whatever device you're plugging it into. Now, this would be hubs, switches, really your cable modem, telephones. Right. Your uh, your cable box, your plasma TV, any of that stuff that's going to be connected directly to uh, coax telephone or data cable coming in from the outside. And so some UPSs have this capability built into them where you can protect coax or protect telephone or protect data. If you don't have that in your UPS or you don't have a UPS there, APC sells uh, this stuff that I found called their protect net series. And it essentially is exactly what you would think it is. It's an inline uh, and it, they, they make them for telephone and for coax. And so they've got different connectors, but they've got one connector that connects to whatever's coming in from the outside, one connector that you then pass through. So for my cat five, I plug cat five into one end cat five into the other. And then the magic thing is that there is a ground wire that you screw into the little ground screw on your wall outlet. And then it's magic and it's cheap insurance, you know, for each one of them is like 20 or 25 bucks. Now, I have more than the average bears worth of cables coming in and out because I've got essentially, you know, two houses. I mean, it's not two houses, but the house in the office. So there's coax coming in, there's Ethernet coming in and I've got phones going between the two. So I've got quite a bit to protect, but it all told, I think it was about one hundred and fifty bucks worth of stuff. And you know what? That's cheap, man. I, if, if you could have told me 10 seconds before everything blew up here, look, uh, lay down 150 bucks and 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 none of this will ever have happened. Uh, I'd happily have ponied up. I'd have ponied up double that. OK, so. OK, so I actually have and I, I think I have a couple, not all of them. but So I have some surge suppressors mm-hmm. that also have a pass through for phone lines. Right. So I think what you're saying is any device that's running on a phone or, or coax or 
Ethernet cable, if you can somehow in that circuit somewhere get something that's going to go to ground before it gets to the device. Bingo. Then, so it could be it could be a power strip combo kind of deal. Yep. Or it could and I think they make just standalone inline surge suppressors. That's what I just talked about, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just kidding. Just want to see if you're paying attention. Yeah. But um. But anyways, no. I I want to mention that yeah the the, the all in one stuff and uh, I really you know I've I the thing is I've been lucky. Well, I think, and, and is that I haven't suffered light. I think I had one lightning strike where I could hear it and feel it. But um, what's Pete saying to us here? Yeah. What what could you what mm. what one lightning? Oh yeah. What one lightning strike? Is that what you're saying, John? Well, no, I've just had one near me, but it, no, I've never had anything fried by a lightning strike. Uh, yeah, fortunately, like I said, for me, it's mostly just been the DC stuff, and and even a lightning hit, you know, several miles away is enough to raise the ground plane enough to where uh, something's going to fry. Um, and now, I am going through this right now with with APC uh, because that was what was connected to the equipment that, that blew up in the past. I've used. Trip light. Now, all of these things, UPSs and surge protectors, typically come with a warranty and the warrant or the a guarantee that any equipment that you've got fully protected by one of these devices is covered up to, you know, and it, depending on whether it's a surge protector or a UPS, a UPS being a battery backup unit, you know, anywhere between, say, a thousand and thirty five thousand dollars worth of insurance. I filed a claim with Trip light and I filed a claim with APC. Uh, Triplight has been, uh, they follow the letter of their guarantee to, to the point. I mean, it, they will not deviate from it. They're not at all interested in the customer service angle. In my experience, again, I'm just one guy. Uh, they, you know, I, I didn't try to play the TMO card or anything like that. Um, and, and, and they were not at all interested in bending their rules or, or trying to keep me happy. They're like, look. You did this wrong, you know, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't set up exactly as we would have done it. And so you're out of luck. Uh, we're not going to cover the claim. APC, on the other hand, basically the same sort of thing. And they're like, yeah, you know, we'll cover it. That's fine. Uh, hmm. So, yeah. And, and I talked to their product now after the fact, I talked to their product manager about this. And he said, yeah, you know, it's our policy just to to try and keep our customers happy within reason. I mean, we can't just cover every claim that comes through, but we right. try to be, we try to be the nice guys. And I said, well, that, that certainly was my experience. So let's, uh, let's hope it continues to be that way. So personally, I recommend APC stuff and that's why I hunted them down and, and got some information out of them. And, and that's yeah. why. No, those protect net. And I'm, I'm wondering if, um, you know, if you can get in the, if, Oh, this may be a tough order here, but you know, if you get an ele- I mean, you, you definitely want like when you wire your house up an electrician or you have a, yeah. you know, training or you're just don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you want to have your wiring done to code. That's for sure. Yeah. But, um, but, but I don't know if code includes some of this uh, DC grounding stuff here. Like, you know, the protect net. Oh, the protection. No, no, it doesn't. You know and I'm wondering where yeah. you'd go if you want somebody to, if you're going to geek out your house or your campus or whatever, where, where would you go to get somebody who knows how to do that properly? I mean, there's, I, I an think electrician. an electrician would know. I mean, it w- if you mention yeah. the, 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 the issues, okay, I got DC and, you know, I need it protected and stuff like that. I think okay. so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I've just seen sometimes some questionable, especially grounding jobs um, or lack thereof. I mean, you can get, actually, you can get these little plugs from Radio Shack or something where you plug it in and it 
you know, it at least says It'll tell you, yeah, your your reverse polarity. <laughs> yeah. Hope not, or you know, you're not grounded. Your ground sucks, and, right? Uh, you know, uh, call somebody uh, right. quickly. So uh, I think it's all about the grounding, Dave. It or, really uh, it, that's what it comes down to. Uh, that's what I'm I'm learning and have learned as as you all know the hard way. So, all right, so we move on to uh, to an answer to a previous question oh, from okay. Peter. Why? Go ahead. Why? What did you want to? Well, you want to ask something? Well, well, there's a go uh, ahead. Maybe not a fully researched topic here on the list, but oh yeah, sense. go ahead and ask. Well, the lightning rods. <clears throat> okay, so I suggested that as kind of a fun, you know, dangerous thing, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we don't have all the research in. But uh, to me, a lightning rod. I'm thinking if I'm lightning, and there's something attractive that's well grounded, like a lightning rod. I assume that's what it does. Yep. Then I'm going to hit that versus hitting your house or nearby and, and causing all sorts of havoc, and, you know, but I, I know you can't, you know, lightning's not intelligent. It just operates by the laws of physics, but do lightning rods influence in any way? I guess to me would be the question where lightning hits. You know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but after you mentioned lightning rods to me, I think you, you mentioned it via Twitter last week saying, dude, maybe you should get a lightning rod. And I thought about it and I thought, okay, well, Here's the thing. Uh, if I've got a lightning rod essentially takes a, a, a surge and routes it around or past your house to ground. Right. That's the idea. And my AC power in the house has never been an issue until this this one hit. So I, I, I have to think that my house is grounded just fine. I don't. I, I And I think, in fact, that's the problem, right? The house is grounded fine. So the DC power that's buried, uh, you know, between the house and the office gets this raised ground plane and it's trying to get back to ground and finds it through the house. If the house wasn't grounded, I probably mm. wouldn't be having these issues as much. Uh, right. So I think okay. the lightning rod is for if the lightning actually strikes here. At the house. But if it strikes, you know, a mile away, well, that's still going to raise the ground plane and still going to impact this direct buried cable that's, you know, just laying underground. OK, so. but I think we have an answer in, in part here. And I think our, our you know, but if our, somebody our, knows our, more and I know some well, of our you friend, do, our friend Pete here. Said, so I, w- I would think what, what Pete said, uh, basically, he says that, that, that he knows of companies that spend money to install these sort of things. So I would think that they. However, slightly increase the chance the lightning will go through a proper channel. But right. but I see your point too, Dave. So yeah. um, but I you know, I love I just if think, somebody thinks a lightning rod is the right thing for me here. You know, based on everything I've said, I'm happy just to be hear about cool. it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All okay, right, moving on. Moving on, Pete. Not Pete, Pilot Pete, but uh, Peter has an answer for us. Hey, John and Dave. I was just listening to. Uh, this is Peter from Syracuse. Just listening to 168. Um, at the end, you were talking about Craig's problem with the wireless printing from his base station. I have a time capsule, which is, I would assume, similar to his base station, and I recently had a strained wireless printing problem myself. Um, all the printer, all the machines could see the printer, but they could no longer print to it like they once could. I tried everything up until I realized that. If I renamed the printer under the um, printing preference pane in the time capsule, once I renamed it to something different, everybody could print to it again. They could always see it, but they couldn't always print to it. So 
that might help him or that might be a completely different issue, but that's what's helped it for me. Uh, keep up with a good show. Thanks. Thanks, Peter. Uh, was I'm he gonna backing s- up his truck? I, or some, <laughs> some truck was about to back over him. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I think, I hope not the latter. Uh, I, I am not surprised to hear that this solves this sort of mysterious problem that we've been talking about where you can see a printer that's shared over a network but not print to it. But it, it doesn't sit right with me that this is how it should be, that simply renaming it. But it, but it, it stands to reason that if there's some bug in the OS where the printer Brother. was maybe on one IP address at one point and then switched – and for some reason, the computer is caching that in one spot and not another. Uh, you know, it sees the same name of the printer and it just says, or maybe the printer with this name was connected via USB at some point and now is connected over the network. And I'm, so it's trying to connect yeah. to it via some way that it's not finding it, but yet it still sees it. And so it doesn't try to reset it up. Uh, maybe that's, you know, it, it makes sense, even though uh, it shouldn't be. Yeah, I think uh, we as we it's a problem that should never happen, but we're glad to get the advice. And right. yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you. When I heard this, uh, I don't know exactly where, but there's a stale entry somewhere. At some point, I'm suspecting this printer was plugged in to something else or something with that same name was plugged in. And now the computer's terribly confused. So changing the name was the way to flush that out or at least get it in a different state. But yeah, the, the, just the fact that it happened is... is uh, I, I personally, I have an older, and I think you do, Dave, uh, 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 DeskJet 990C, and it works great with the time capsule. I, I've never had a problem printing to it. So You know, yeah, Pete, Pete wrote a little note here. He says uh, maybe there's a way to clear some files out. And there is. There's a way to totally reset the printing system. And I know Ooh, one of oh, our listeners harsh. wrote us and told us how to do it. Um, and I can't for the life of me remember uh, what the off the top of my head what it is. But we'll we'll either link to it in the related section in the show notes or, or we'll mention it next week. But uh, but that that may do it. If oh, in how fact, to do it? That's it. Yeah. Do you know how to do it? Oh, you go to print and fax. Let's see, there it is. That's why you go in the window where it says printers and faxes. You right click and it says reset printing system dot dot dot. There um, you go. This means all your devices there. Right. <clears throat> Will go away and actually uh, i'm looking right now i have two devices ah. excuse me i have two entries for the same device one is my usb connected hp DeskJet. the other is my time cap- it's it's here twice but i've plugged it into different right places and it has different drivers <laughs> one is through the time capsule one is through the uh computer itself all right well there you go maybe maybe you, that you would see, do it but yeah, because actually you'll see, and this may help debug this, but when I look between the two, the thing is the, uh, the location entry. So in one case, it's Time Capsule. The other case, it's my Power Mac. Okay. But they're, yeah. they're, they're almost identical device names, so maybe that's not it. But, it, but it's a place to look, and yeah, if, if you right-click and reset, again, it's harsh. I, I didn't expect it the first time I did it, is that it got rid of everything. I thought it would just get rid of the device that was highlighted. But oh, right. So a caution. It, 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 it's a nuke and pave, as you like to say sometimes. Uh, so so make sure if you do that, that you have the right drivers or you update your drivers because you're going to have to add, add back all your stuff. Or at least that was my experience the one time I did try this. Um, all right. Well, there you okay. go. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, we asked about the ACMT certification, and many of you wrote in, some of you tweeted us, uh, and uh, and here's what Brewster 
Good to see you. How are you doing, guys? This is Brewster, uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. Um, just emailed you recently about uh, asking where you guys were. I thought you were in Boston, but apparently you're scattered about the country. Um, I work for an independent consultant in Boston, and yes, anyone can take the certification class. Um, there's a couple different levels you can take from Apple um, for different tests. You can take a uh, support essentials class, which is basically the, just the basic Mac uh, Apple support. Like you can get a help desk, you can take the network uh, certification, which is for OS server, or you can take the directory services, or you can take the Mac large-scale deployment certification class. Um, each, all the classes that they offer also offer certification, so there's many different levels. Um, which are available, which I'm going through myself right now. I'm not certified yet, but I'm about to take the uh, support essentials, which is the first tier, and then the server test. So, wish me luck. Uh, great show. Good job. And keep it up. Bye. Thanks, Brewster, and good luck. So, yeah, thank you very much. And then I, I know that there's the Apple Consultants Network that uh, you can join so that people that are looking for a local Mac guru uh, might be able to find you. So that's yet another uh, yet another thing there. Excellent. Unless you want to work at a Apple store, I guess, or probably right. more a service center than an Apple store. I, I, I don't get a sense that they do a lot of, well, certain, like I think the, 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 the official Apple stores, I don't think they do a heck of a lot of down and dirty you know, well, no, some of some of this. I think they I, do. I'm thinking more of ripping things apart and putting things back in. I think a lot of this they'll send off if it's too too much of a job. But but the other things, yes, I, I think they do have people on site. So so yes, uh, because I, I think we had one other person write in and say, you know, they were looking to to work in an Apple store. The uh, time commitment was too much, but they took this training because they figure it couldn't hurt. And I I would agree if yep. if I was hiring at an Apple store, this is certainly. <laughs> Show some initiative um, and and some skills, and I you know put on your resume and yeah and all that stuff. So um, excellent, and and also the service centers, I guess, is the other places I'm thinking of. There are people you know not Apple stores, but you know are qualified to to work on things. So yeah, if you're into the the Mac thing, which it sounds like you are, then uh, I didn't realize there were so many courses though. It sounds like there's there's quite a few levels of um, yeah, it's know, a lot different than uh, it used to be. That's for sure. Yeah, like some of the enterprise level stuff, it almost sounds like, which, uh, you know, it sounds like Apple's, you know, uh, dipping their toe into that a, a little more than, well, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah. I, I've been seeing some articles uh, uh, here and there about, you know, Apple's, uh, I think on Mac Observer, actually, about, you know, Apple's entry into the uh, enterprise space and uh, how that's that's kind of moving along slowly but surely. Uh, you know, you mentioned the the local Mac service centers, if you will. It, I I actually had a a thing slated for earlier in the show and completely blew by it. So one of the things that uh, stopped working after my lightning issue, my most recent one, was one of the Ethernet ports on my time capsule. And uh, so I I asked my local I, Mac Edge is the one here in Portsmouth, and these guys one are, of them. Which, uh, or go on, go on. Yeah. Cause so, I know there, there, there are a couple. Right. So there are a few. Yeah. It's actually the WAN port that blew out, but I had it in bridge mode, so it didn't matter. Okay. Okay. Right. So one of them stopped working. So I emailed my, uh, my, the, the manager of the Portsmouth store here at Mac edge and, uh, asked him, I said, you know, can I just swap the hard drive to, you know, to a new time capsule? Cause I knew it was still under warranty and all that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, we'll cover it, but 
no, it, it's a total device swap. And I thought, oh, man, I was in denial for a couple of days, right? Thinking, I don't, you know, I've got almost a terabyte of backups on this stupid thing. I don't want to start that from scratch. That sucks. And I don't have a drive to bounce it to. That's my only terabyte drive. And uh, so finally I, I said to him, I said, well, you know, is there any way could you get the new unit and let me have both for a couple days? And he said, yeah, yeah, we can give it to you for a couple days. Sure. Cause these guys like they totally rock. So that's why, uh, you know, that's why they would let me do this. And uh, so, so I took it home on, on Friday and I started the copy. I set them both up. I cloned the settings from one time capsule to the other. So if you go into your time capsule and uh, airport utility, you go to save the file menu, save settings as, and then import those into the new one. So it totally cloned my settings. I didn't have to reset up bridge mode. I did change the name of the time capsule so that I'd know which one I was messing with. And then I also changed the name of the hard drive because it made the drive the same name as the other one. So I had two different drives and then I mounted both drives. I turned off time machine on all my Macs. I mounted both drives from my MacBook Pro via gigabit Ethernet. And I just copied all the disk images that were backups from the old one and copied them onto the new one. And it was 835 gigs uh, over gig Ethernet. It took about 20 hours to copy, but had it used the full speed of gig Ethernet, it would have been about two hours. Um, really the speed of the drives and I'm assuming the right speed of the drive that we were copying to was the limiting factor here. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, it only went at about a hundred megabit, maybe 150. So I had some people tweeting me saying, wouldn't it be great if it had a firewire port? No gigabit ethernet's faster than firewire. Let us not forget. But, uh, but the speed of the drive is the slowest link in the chain, but it took the 20 hours and I still wondered, will time machine on the max happily attached to this new drive, even with a new name. And sure enough, I, you know, I, I finished a copy. I disconnected the old one just to make sure I was only backing up to the new one. And, uh, it worked. It took a minute to sync up and then everything in my, you know, time capsule screen or time machine screen, you know, it gave the name of the new drive. It says the oldest backup is from March 5th. Everything is mm. just totally good to go. Good so, time. Yeah, it, it worked great. It was totally seamless. And uh, again, I want to thank the guys at Mac Edge because uh, it, you know, being able to preserve those backups is huge. So thank you. Nice. Uh, and I think that you can find, yeah, there's a, a online tool that Apple offers that'll show you Apple stores and mm-hmm. you know, authorized service centers. You know, it'll show you the different levels of, uh, and I'm sure these folks are listed in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they are. That's how I found them initially. That's right. Excellent. So I, I like Apple's tool. We'll we'll link to that, of course, that, you know, shows you, you know, what geek level, I guess, <laughs> among other things you can expect at the uh, the places that you go to. Yeah. And these guys uh, I think are I good. I mentioned to you, um, TechServe in yeah. New York City. Yeah. A lot of people really like them. They built up a great, um, you know, culture. And uh, it's a fun place to visit, too. If you're ever in New York City, check them out. Yep. Yeah, they, they are. They're, they're, they're fun. Uh, these these little local, you know, uh, Mac shops. They're, they're fun places. The people that are in there are always really laid back and there's a lot of chit chat. And uh, it, it's, a you know, it anytime I go in there, I'm in there for, you know, a half hour or more, even if all I have to do is walk up to the desk and grab the new time capsule and leave. I, I think I, I'm sure I was there for a half hour and uh, just chit chatting and, and hanging out with Mac geeks. So our second sponsor for this show is Circus Ponies. 
And we have another new version of software to announce just hours ago. Yep, it finally shipped. Notebook 3.0 is out. Uh, you've heard us talk about this, so the features uh, should be no surprise. Uh, it adds diagramming and sketching to Notebook is an electronic notebook that lets you create notebooks, electronic notebooks for all sorts of your different projects and uh, and tasks that you have to do. You can take notes in here. You can now uh, annotate PDFs, which means if, like, say you're a student and you want to pull lecture slides in, you can pull it right into a notebook about your class and annotate them right in there. And then you can sketch on them and diagram on them. And it's got handwriting recognition, so you can put, uh, you know, just draw notes in, and it'll uh, it'll take care of all that stuff for you. Notebook 3.0 available now, finally from Circus Pony's website. Suggested retail price of forty nine ninety five. It's twenty nine ninety five for academic users. And uh, if you purchased, if you own Notebook two, uh, you can upgrade until Halloween, October thirty first, for nineteen ninety five. And uh, if you purchased Notebook 2 between, essentially, since January 1st of this year, you upgrade to 3.0 for free. So especially if you're there, go get it. If you're a Notebook 2 user, 20 bucks that's an easy thing, and even 50 bucks. And of course, there's the free download from, free trial download from CircusPonies.com. So uh, we have a question from Dave. We're going to let Dave ask it. Hey guys, my name's Dave. I uh, love the show. I've called in a couple times before. I'm actually the guy that uh, tipped you guys off to Dropbox uh, several months ago, so glad to hear you guys are using it and enjoying it. Anyways, uh, just a quick random question today. I'm sitting here listening to the latest episode. I've always wondered, I've just never asked, who the heck is Pilot Pete? Uh, just take it as I'm kind of a newer listener. I've only been listening for maybe six months, so I'm not around as long as some of the others, and uh, just out of curiosity, you guys always reference them, and sometimes he leaves a comment or two, or uh, you guys make reference to him during the show, but who is he? Is he a boss or producer or whatever? Is he just another uh, guy that you guys got for advice and bouncing things off of or whatever? Um, that's about it. Just curiosity, just wondering who Pilot Pete is. Um, if you want to just send me an email that no, we'll tell you right here. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Pilot Pete is—he uh, he lives local to me here. Started listening. We met because he—he uh, he started listening to the show. Uh, like me, Pi- Pilot Pete is a pilot for a living, and uh, like me, he's—all of his coworkers are kind of spread all over the country. So, uh, you know, when I leave work every day, all the people that I deal with all day, most of them don't live local. In fact, very few of them do, and the, and the same is true for Pete. So. It Local, was, nay, the world. Right. I mean, he has worldly friends. He sure I, does. I, I like following his travels. So being Mac guys and uh, and techie geeks and, you know, I have a uh, he has a, 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 a avid interest in computers, which is my job. And I, you know, I have a, a mild interest in flying, which is his job. So we've got these shared interests and, uh, you know, we like to watch the Pats. And so uh, essentially now Pete's just a, a local friend of mine. Hi, Pete. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Good, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having the me. The Pats. Yeah. The Pats. Yeah. Yeah, the Boy, Patriots. Is that painful or what? Yeah. No, I got to say, I'm with like you. Look, all right. So I'm in Connecticut. To me, I consider myself a New Englander, not a New Yorker. That's right. So Pats for me. Go yeah. ahead. Shake your fist. I dare you. But, but those New York <laughs> City teams, I don't live in New York City. 
I'm sorry. Okay. They're going to come and lynch you. Enough you, outrage John. going. There you go. <laughs> and I invited Twitter questions. We're not going to do that this time, but I, I kind of shot that out. I said, hey, any questions via Twitter? Let's try this. And I see some questions. Some could be injected, but yeah, I'll, I'll show them to you, Dave. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so, Pete, you did something very interesting over the last couple of days. Uh, uh-huh. you, you installed PGP whole disk encryption. So I'll, I'll let that introduction lead you right down to, to where you're, uh, you're going to tell us about this. I did. I was intrigued because as, I'm, as much as I travel, one of my biggest fears is losing my computer to theft, be it out of a Could hotel I ask you, room. Yeah. Pete, uh, I just want to ask, or, or, or as you discuss, but of course, you know, there is File Vault built into the OS. And, and at some <laughs> point, I'd like to know why. No. <laughs> did you laugh, Dave? I, Somebody I laughed. Yeah. But anyways, no, I just want to say... You know, during your discussion, maybe you're going to plan this, but to me, it's like, hey, it's built into the OS. You know, it does encryption. Why the heck not? So if you could contrast your reflections. that's with, uh, Well, that's a good question up front. The, the main thing about FileVault was uh, that Dave here is not the only one who has told me uh, that there have been a few horror stories. Uh, so I was a little reluctant mm-hmm. to get into that. And then the other thing was I would have had to been very careful about what I put in or, or what I put where, because File Vault doesn't encrypt the entire disk. Just I believe it's the okay. documents or the library. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The user folder. Yeah, or user, u- folder. user. Yes. Yeah. So you can so put things. Some things are on the disk right. are encrypted. Other things aren't. Okay. Could okay. be less than uh, if you aren't one hundred percent careful, you could leave something on the desktop. Yeah. Say, okay. Right? No. You know. Good. Yeah. No. Good point. So that was kind of my thinking on it. But the other thing is, my entire life. <laughs> as far as my identity and financial data and all that stuff, was sitting on this hard drive. And I thought, man, if I ever lost this thing, even with a password, someone could pull this hard drive out, stick it in with a, a USB to IDE or, or SATA connector, and uh, away they'd go with all of my data, and and it would not be pretty. Um, so identity theft was the main thing, data theft. I was a little bit worried about that falling into the wrong hands. Um and uh, uh, that being said, uh, I, I did leave some credit cards in uh, Kazakhstan a few weeks back, and the maid turned them in and handed them over to another a fellow pilot, wow. and uh, nothing came of it. So, I mean, I was in the point where I was going to have to cancel credit cards and driver's licenses and all that stuff. And You got and really I, lucky. I got unbelievably lucky. Of all lucky. the places to leave credit cards. It, yeah, not in the former Soviet Republic. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Are you serious? I I, mm-hmm. I haven't been, but... I no, mean, it's my it? understanding that that's kind of the heart of the of uh, the where the people are doing the uh, you know paid you know for for spamming and and uh, uh, phishing and that kind of stuff. Well, so it's a big place, right? Yeah. Well, you know, minus the you know little republics that are yeah okay. Well, it's a little All more right. wild west out there on the internet than it is here. A little more, not a lot. So the finder, I'm I'm sure you were very very oh thankful. yeah grateful and most grateful. So anyway, but I digress. Uh, so I've got a whole disk encryption here by PGP. I got it this week, and I was really, really intrigued by it. I've uh, been waiting for it to come out and looked at it. Um, listened uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago or so, it came out. It's $119 on PGP's website, and uh, the links for, for that will be up in the show notes there. Um, the first caution I have, the main caution is, if, you've, if you're running uh, Windows on Boot Camp, uh, it doesn't work with that yet. I understand they're working on it. Um, it works okay if you have Parallels or Fusion, but it does not work if you're running Boot Camp. And that's per an interview I heard with a PGP rep on uh, Victor Cahillao's typical Mac user show 148 recently. 
So anyway, it turns your entire hard drive into an encrypted volume. Uh, so it is essentially useless data. If someone ever steals my hard drive without my strong password, and I challenge the NSA to figure out what my password is, uh, they're not going to get into this hard drive. It's 256-bit AES encryption. Um, Which is, yeah, government level. Yeah, government standard. Uh, good, you know, good luck. Though so you, you bring up, and I think I brought it up to you if I, if I could, uh, yeah. you brought up a good uh, um, aspect of system security. So you got a, you are not going to remember this password in your head deal, right? Uh, well, I have one of those memories. I can do that kind of stuff. Well, no, if you can. But, but, I can, but, but, but believe me, it, it is totally nonsensical. Uppercase, okay. lowercase, uh, numbers, symbols. Um, okay, yeah, excellent, luck. excellent. Yeah. All right, so yeah, if you have a... But I'm thinking, you know, some... And I guess what I'm commenting on is you may have a, uh, yeah. products like this, and, and actually I've used PGP products, and, and I think they tend to do a good job at advising you I mean, you can have 256-bit AES encryption, but if your password is A, <laughs> yeah. well, uh, it, the, uh, so what I'm name. saying, yeah, so the security is not is not only in the algorithms, which AES-256 is, yeah, it, it'll, it would take even your, you know, major governments a while to rip through the, the key space for that. But don't use a key or a password that's blatantly obvious, like as as Pete said, your dog or your, you know, your birthday, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your well, husband, whatever. Exactly. Try exactly. to be somewhat clever. Do not write it on the bottom of your keyboard. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people <laughs> do that in various uh, uh, corporations. Hey, I'll write my big secret password or the sticky note on the monitor. So uh, I guess what I'm just suggesting is step back. Um, PGP does this. If I recall, Pete, when you type in the password, it says, okay, it's good. It sucks. It's pretty good. It you does. Know, can you make it a little longer? And, I, and it sounds like you made an effort to, to you know, follow good practice. You know, letters, numbers, symbols. Um, I was suggesting you write it down and put it on a note inside a safe at an undisclosed location. Yeah, I thought so that was you have, that told me that on, uh, yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, so we can yeah, have an action-packed spy drama where how do we find Pete's password <laughs> to his hard drive that contains the secrets to... Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> it, it, it's not worth your time. It's in a safe in my house. It's not worth your time cracking the safe. <laughs> There's not that much available. No, anyway. Uh, but anyway, so I got it on there, and, and one of the first things I did, uh, or let me also say, I do I do run Time Machine in, a, in an external network drive to, uh, or an internal network drive, external to my laptop, and I considered encrypting that too, and the likelihood of that being stolen is so low that I would not risk corrupting my data by encrypting. Well, that that's it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I've got two drives full of ones and zeros that no one can make heads nor tails of. But anyway, uh, so first thing I'd do if I were if you get this and you're going to do it, I'd, I'd run Onyx or something along those lines first. Run all your weekly, monthly, daily scripts, uh, and then repair your permissions. I actually wound up with some permissions that were bad before I did it. Uh, again, just kind of cleaning up the drive, getting everything ready to rock and roll before you put it on. Um, I've got a MacBook Pro with a 120 gig hard drive, and I have 15 gigs uh, of free space on it right now. It took about two and a half hours to encrypt the entire drive, so it really flew through the encryption. Um, uh, it will do it in the background while you continue to work as well. Um, really? Yeah. It, it was amazing. I was really? Able, I, oh, I was 
Twittering, I was surfing the web, I was paying bills, I was doing all kinds of things. It was so it must install the driver first so that right. it can decrypt. I mean, it, right. And it has a little progress bar. It tells you, you know, I've got two gigs of 104 to go or something like wow. that as it goes along. It was pretty slick. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, then I saw it worked for about 15, 20 minutes. Then I, then I set the computer aside and I went upstairs and went, went to sleep and uh, came downstairs the next morning and it, the computer was in fact asleep. And uh, I, I woke it up. It was still fine. I could read everything and uh, held my, breath did the reboot and said i hope it comes back and it did it was absolutely beautiful the first thing it did is it asked me for my uh pgp pgp passphrase now does that happen immediately essentially when you turn thing. it on yeah it okay. will not do anything else before it goes to that so it really is the whole disc is encapsulated it is by this. it's they've put this down into the boot sector so okay when it when in the computer comes on that's the first thing you're looking at is that oh. passphrase um and you're not getting anything else out of it now uh Go ahead. I've got some questions, but I'll let you finish. Oh, okay. and then, yeah, and then no, I'll no. get some questions. Well, um, let's see. So, yeah, I came down in the morning. I was really happy to see it was uh, it was good to go. Um, I've noticed no performance hit on the machine uh, since then. Now, I haven't done – I do some serious video crunching, home videos, that kind of stuff. I haven't tried that yet, so that, that may be an issue, but we'll see. Uh, I haven't done any hard numbers bench benchmarking, but uh, so far I'm pretty impressed that I, I haven't noticed anything major. Yeah, uh, slowing down the machine. Um, and John and I already kind of talked about the password thing. Make sure you've got a strong password. Uh, I did write mine down and put it in the safe just in case I ever do forget it. Because um, if you're going to use uh, Fluffy or or whatever your pet's name is, uh, you're welcome to send me <laughs> the cash instead of the uh, PGP Corporation. <laughs> and you know, there's been more than one person, I won't get into a detail, that has suffered from... Poor password management with web email. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. We're nonpartisan, so we can't say who. <laughs> um, but it might have been in the news lately. Anyway, <laughs> anyway okay. uh, once you've Go. got that installed, you're up and running PGP 9.9. And uh, it's got a few cool other features on there, too. One is, uh, obviously, uh, it, it will help you generate your asymmetric key pairs so that you can do email and, and uh, IMs and that those sorts of things. And it, then I went on and configured my uh, mail client uh, using Apple Mail. Uh, it'll do Outlook and I think Eudora and all the major clients. Uh, but it, it essentially sets itself up between the mail client and your mail server. And it kind of when you're first setting it up, it complains to you, hey, you're, uh, you're trying to connect securely to your mail server. Don't do that. Uh, you know, I'll do that for you. Um, and it's, it's set it up neat. So, like, if I were to send Dave an email... Uh, from my account that I set up as as my secure account now, uh, PGP will go and look for Dave's public key on the PGP website. And if it finds one, it'll encrypt the message using his public key, and then all, that email can only be read, that message, with his private key. Otherwise, it's just garbage. Um, and let's say I go send John an email from that same account, and PGP can't find an active key from him. Well, then mm-hmm. it won't encrypt the email, but it'll send send it to him automatically uh, and sign the email so that John can go find my public key and go, okay, this is in fact Pete that sent me this email. So it's not somebody phishing, those sorts of things. And you can set those pol- security policies up so that PGP handles this really quite seamlessly for you. It's, it's kind of a neat, neat process. Um, and you can do other cool stuff with it, a self-decrypting archive that you can then communicate the password in some other format to somebody, separate message in the clear or what have you, huh. telephone call. Um 
Uh, and then file shred, uh, you can build a little alias on your desktop and drag any file you want to shred into there, and it'll it'll write ones and zeros over it up to 49 times uh, wow. if, if you want. Uh, you know, three is, three is good for government. 28 is as good as yep. they say no security after 28 or something like that. But mm. um, And uh, and it, like I said, it'll also do uh, instant messaging, those sort of things. I'm not a big instant messenger guy, so I haven't researched how that works, but I understand it has practical uses, uh, particularly in dealing with um, financial, uh, you know, stock trading, those sorts of things. You could sure. IM with your, with your stock trading company, um, and that would be a secure means of doing so which is a reason they have, have avoided it apparently in the past. So. Now, you've had this on your machine for a couple of days and, and you've right. said so far, no speed right. issues whatsoever. Now, if you open activity monitor, is there a little demon that's uh, running in the background specifically? Like when you're doing disc intensive stuff, like if you're running time machine, uh, you know, where it's, it's scouring your drive and looking for things it, that, you know, especially it, obviously laptops to me seem to be the obvious uh, first choice to put this kind of thing on because as Pete said, mm-hmm. you're out there talking, you know, moving your data all over the country, all over the world. Uh, if you lose it, you could really, you know, it, it could create some, some havoc for your life, but laptop drives of course are notoriously slow. So uh, yeah, I'm curious to, yeah. to see if, especially down the road, if you, if you notice, Oh yeah, you know, it's a little slower than it was or, I will, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking in it right now, and I'm not seeing it. That that being said, um, it uh, I'll have to look look much harder at that again, especially when I'm trying to crunch the video and I see my uh, CPUs up in the hundred percent range and that sort of thing. But well, I don't know if you could do a before and after, but of course you can. Um, let's see here, activity monitor disk activity will actually show you a uh, data read and data write throughput. Now, of course, unless you've looked at them beforehand, right? right. it may be kind of hard to gauge what, if any, additional load this puts. I mean, your, your suggestion, Dave, of course, makes sense. Look at the processor load. That's part of it. But is it doing something at a lower level that may not show up at the process level? Like, you know, as you suggest that they install a driver, maybe it would show up at the, at the disk activity part of uh, activity monitor as, mm-hmm. as a slowdown. I'll, I'll actually go in and mention a uh, the other one, which is on the PC side. It's an open source product. It's called TrueCrypt. They have a whole disk encryption for PCs. Um, and uh, the gen over at GRC.com, Steve Gibson, actually found that Windows ran faster with TrueCrypt. Huh. I, I remember that. That's they right. may have a better yeah. driver than yeah. uh, than Windows. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. Okay. Yeah. So I, I remember Jeff Gamet. Uh, telling me that he had uh, used this, I guess, right after it came out, uh, using Photoshop on a machine. And if I remember correctly, he said that there was no speed issues whatsoever. And that Mm. included using, you know, Photoshop's virtual memory, which is kind of, you know, more intensive than uh, than Mac OS tens on the disk. And he he said it was seamless to him, uh, which that that that, you know, and I think that was on a MacBook, too. So, you know, a a lower end machine. What's that? Can I say power user? Is yeah. that still? Oh yeah, that's cool. that's cool. The cool kids. Okay, that. that's, that's good. That's not like yeah. archaic. Speak cool. Yet. Okay. Well, thanks, Pete. Keep, keep us and, posted on that. And yeah. for what it's worth, I do have three gigs of memory on the machine, so it's not sitting along <sighs> with one gig. So that's helpful. Sure. Yeah. I, I looked. I looked in your activity monitor while you were chit chatting there, and there is there's a series of of processes underneath a a, uh, PGP, a engine. PGP engine. Yeah, there's PGP sync engine, PGP. Mm-hmm. 
uh, disk engine and then PGP agent. Neither of them is taking up, none of them rather are taking up more than 10 megs. I think even combined, maybe it's 11 megs Hmm. combined of memory and no CPU access, at least while his machine's just sitting here. So, so that's a, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good sign. That's a harbinger of good things to come, right? I hope so. (laughs) See if we can so the band I was going to say, Dave, it's getting cold, man. You got to let the band in. <laughs> okay, so somebody, uh, Dan, uh, and we'll talk more about Dan next week because there's actually a series of comments that uh, that are interesting and anecdotal. But uh, Dan asked if uh, if we could talk about who the band was, and you know, he said we should give a shout out to the band because maybe somebody would want to go see him. This is a band called Go Figure, which is a band I played in. I think we did our last gig in 94. <laughs> it would have to be 94. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, uh, I think I was there. I was at one of the... Yeah, we, our I last gig was a radio station gig at uh, the University of Connecticut. And it was right. really just th- that. just three of us. Yeah. Um, but our our old singer who actually wrote co-wrote this song, which is called The Answer, uh, lives in Northampton, Mass, and plays with a band called Fiesta Brava. So uh, if you want to go now, I think he's just their bass player. I don't even think he's uh, I think he's probably doing some harmony singing, uh, but uh, he's playing with them. And then he's at mysticsanonymous.com. dot com. So you can check out the old songwriters there. I don't know that there's any of this go figure stuff on the Web, but uh, I, th- I think I have a, a box of about 100 CDs left somewhere here. So if anybody wants one, let me know. Uh yeah, all right. So, uh, moving along here, we still have a couple, not many, but I'm told there, are, at least as of about 11 a.m. Eastern today, there were uh, less than 10 rooms left at the Hotel Milano. The TMO deal, uh, which we'll link to, gives you five bucks off per room night. So, uh, it's not a huge amount of money, but hey, it's, it's five bucks is five bucks, and now, that adds up one over of those, five days. So. <laughs> one of those isn't my room, is it? We're going to have to talk, John. Uh, <laughs> Michael Johnston of iPhone Alley converts this show into AAC, and uh, we know uh, we know you appreciate that. And uh, Michael certainly appreciates all the uh, thank all you, the, Michael, all the kind words. That's right. Thank you, Michael. Cashfly Hosting provides all the bandwidth. The podcast marketplace includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit Nine from Barebones Software, PDF Pen. Four from Smile on My Mac and Notebook three from Circus Ponies, all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. And we love them iTunes comments. Uh, all right, that's it. What are the Macworld dates? Pilot Pete asks. I believe that is, let's <laughs> that's see, easy. January 5th through January 9th. Yes, uh, sir. If I'm not mistaken. 2009. 2009. Yikes. Yes. You know, <laughs> we're going to be there. You know, I got to. Book my, we gotta talk. I gotta book my flight. Yeah, Here, here's a you don't, these days. You don't want to know how the sausage is made. We printed up TMO Editors Choice Awards for uh, to hand out at MacWorld last year. Um, the proof went through about four people, and I was about to send it off to the printer, and I moved it into an email message and saw that it said mm-hmm. 2007 because we were designing this in November. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So thankfully, it got caught and. Uh, that's uh, you know that's well you don't like political campaigns you want to keep the date off I guess I've, I've heard they do that don't put the date you may fade you may come back and uh, oh, interesting that's smart that's smart thinking right there no we want the date on there provides a timeline that's yes right. 
so while it was good to catch that particular error, in general, John, <laughs> you don't want to get caught. Made up.